Hey, great thinkers. I can't tell you how excited I am to have you back for another exciting episode of the Think Great Experience. Uh, you are looking at a person right now that many of you already know, and I am so excited to have Joe Collins on our show. Not only did he serve our great nation in the United States Navy for 13 years, but he returned to California and is running for Congress in the 43rd District and has been putting out amazing, amazing content on social, on, on uh, ads that we're seeing all across the nation, and he's on the news regularly sharing his message. Joe Collins, welcome to the Think Great Experience. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know you are a very, very productive man, and you are on a mission right now. But I wanted to have our audience get to know you a little bit better. And I know you spent 13 years in the United States Navy. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your service, uh, perhaps, you know, your MOS, or for those that didn't serve, you know, what job you did in the Navy? Yeah, um, the, the military was great. I don't think I would be the man who I am right now if it wasn't for the military. I was a knucklehead uh, growing up. And it, believe it or not, I didn't join the Navy because I felt uh, patriotic about this country. I was actually working at Walmart and going to college after I had graduated high school and I was trying to hit on a recruiter. And that's how I got roped up into the military. Uh, she was, you know, she called me after we changed numbers at Walmart. She said, hey, come to my office and have lunch. I'm like, yes, cool. So go to her office. Next thing I know, hey, do you want a job? I'm like, um, all right, I guess. And so, you know, we go to MAPS and I had already had a NASDAQ course, so I was an easy sale. And they started offering me all these jobs. You could be a nurse, you could be a doctor, you can go to college for free and you can go to Florida and look at the ladies. And I was like, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to do. Um, I joined the military and I remember at boot camp the first uh, two weeks, I was like, what did I get myself into? I really want to go home. But now I remember I didn't have a home anyway. I was still living with my mom. Um, and my mom was, she was pissed off about it too, because she found out I joined the military when they came to pick me up for boot camp, like, you know, a month later, she was mad. She was like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to the Navy. She's like, you can't go to the Navy. And the recruiter was like, well, he's 18. He do what he wants to do. Uh -oh. And I was like, I got to go, mom. I'm out of here. It's, uh, it took off. But, um, you know, my love for this country grew as I, as I served in the military, uh, started off as a jet engine mechanic. Um, I worked on the F-18 Super Hornets. I worked on the E-6 Mercury uh, airplane, which is equivalent to a Boeing 707. Um, I've worked on the MH-60 Seahawk helicopter. I did a boots on the ground tour in Iraq in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, I recruited um, in, uh, in Texas, and I ran a number one recruiting station in NRD Dallas, number two in the nation. Uh, sexual assault rape victim advocate. I worked... Um, uh, I ran a safety program in my command, did tons and tons of safety reports, technical publication deficiency reports. I mean, you, you name it, I've, I've done it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's an impressive uh, career in the, in the military. And, and yet when you got out, you returned home, you returned to California. And yeah. what did you see in your district that was uh, so <clears throat> shocking and moving to you? Because you you grew up in the 43rd district. I grew up in the 35th district. So I grew up in Chino, California. Yeah. And, uh, but, you, but, you know, I actually went to school when I got out of the Marines. I went to the University of Southern California. So I was in that mm -hmm. South Central Los Angeles area in the, <laughs> in, in the mid 90s. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so there was a lot going on there. But what did you see that got you so fired up that made you want to run for Congress? 
Well, I got out of the military to get involved in politics. I actually became a presidential candidate while I was on active duty and I fell in the gray area-ish um, to where you can quit politics and stand in the military or pursue politics and get out the military and I chose to pursue politics. Um, trying to figure out what path, you know, when it came to politics I wanted to be on, all I knew that being a presidential candidate, I got the ability to go back and forth to Washington, D.C. and learn from a lot of great people. Um, when I got out the military, what inspired me to run against Maxine Waters is Maxine Waters. Uh, it's the district that I was born in. Um, and actually, I was homeless for a couple of months trying to get my VA benefits. And the VA system is completely broken. Well, it was completely broken. It's getting better now. Um, COVID-19 played a big role in it, but right now it's getting a little better. And I was going to Maxine's office almost every other day trying to get help with the VA benefits, and she wouldn't help me. And so finally I filed the lawsuit and then magically my VA benefits came through. So I was able to get my life back on track. Um, I'm a father. So, you know, I use my savings and all the money I saved up to be able to take care of my children. I have four children and I took care of myself last. And so, you know, sleeping at the lighthouse, the Rancho's Palace Verdes, trying to, you know, do what I can to, to maintain yeah. it until my VA benefits came through when they did you know, restarted my business. I got back uh, heavily involved in politics, dropped the presidential and then picked up the congressional race and got heavily involved uh, back into the community. And we've been rocking and rolling ever since. I mean, that commercial that you did where you're walking through Los yeah. Angeles and you end up at Maxine Waters Mansion. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't remember a more powerful ad than that. That just, it just sticks with me. I've seen it so many times and yeah. every time it's powerful. What was the feedback from the community when they when they saw that? Ad? I mean, they had to reach out to you. <laughs> they were pissed because a lot of people think that Maxine actually lives in the 43rd district. And she doesn't. <laughs> she lives around the corner from the mayor out in Hancock Park. And the, the house is huge. It's beautiful. And it's a it's a big difference between how she lives and how people um, in the community live. And I thought it would be necessary for people to see, you know, they say this is Auntie Maxine, right? She fights for everybody. Sure. And if you look at the disparities in the district, how is she fighting for everybody when the people who she claims she's fighting for are the main beneficiaries of poverty, you know? And so that's right. Know, people had to see it. They had to see it. I mean, just the feedback alone. I know that that was powerful to me when I saw that. Um, what has it done for you? hearing from the community, when people are reaching out to you, mm -hmm. um, are you getting the sense that they've had enough? Are you getting the sense that they need something new like you from their feedback? It's a, it's a bit frustrating. It's like a double-edged sword or a blessing yeah. and a curse at the same time. And the reason why it's kind of black Republican going into a heavy Democrat district, telling people who have voted Democrat their entire life, listen, trust me, I'm going to help you. And um, they're like, well, we never seen any Republicans here and you're black, so you gotta be a sellout or Uncle Tom or something like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we've stayed actively involved in the community and the more uh, in the community we are, the more people come talk to me. And a lot of people are Republicans in the community they just haven't said anything or they have conservative values, but they don't wanna be an outcast from friends and families. Um, they ain't got a lot of people who would never uh, change the voter registration to Republican, but they'll vote for someone who is Republican if they're um, their, their interest is, yeah. fits their interests, or if you want to do something positive for the community. But I think it's about engagement, continuous engagement in the community. And people trust me, they love me now. You see, uh, I get a lot of phone calls on a regular basis from the cities telling me to take my signs down. And I have to constantly remind the city that my signs have been taken down, but we put up so many signs, people were taking our signs 
And after the election, we had everything taken down. And now people are so fed up, they're putting my signs back up. And, and I'm and I'm I'm getting in trouble for it, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a real positive experience here in the community. I love it. Let me let me ask you a question. Going back to the the time in the Navy, I know mm-hmm. for me, my time in the Marine Corps, and I did four years in the Corps. I was in from 87 to 91. I was also in the air wing too. So um, so we got to see a lot of the Navy planes come into Yuma. So I I, I was an air traffic controller there. Um <laughs> I know for me, when I got out into the civilian sector, when I got back into the civilian sector, you know, things feel differently. You know, you've been, <laughs> you, it's a different experience in the military and all of a sudden, you know, you're not in there anymore and you can tell that things are different. One of the things that I found so different was the lack of leadership in the, in the mm-hmm. civilian side, um, not only in business, but actually political leaders. They just don't understand pure leadership. Um, what was it like coming out of the Navy and now running for Congress to have that leadership development component in you? Because you weren't just in the Navy for 13 years. Mm-hmm. You were a leader in the Navy. What does leadership yeah. mean to you? Um, <laughs> this is a hard question to answer. And the reason why is because there is it's not that much structure in civilian life and people kind of wander around and in the military, when we do things, we do things, and there's a reason behind why we do it. In civilian life, people just do things, and there is no reason. And right. so bringing leadership and telling people or trying to show people, like, you know, this is the proper way to do things, or when it comes to work ethic, I think work ethic has to be one of the biggest things that people like in the civilian sector. So where, you know, you and I will probably go 100 miles an hour from 4 o'clock in the morning to, like, 11 o'clock at night, and we do so much stuff, people are not used to that, you That's know? right. And so just, you know, grooming people to have that type of work ethic to where they can be uh, successful or productive in, in the daytime is one of the biggest things as a leader when it comes to leadership that, you know, I have to work on with people. Yeah, we have to teach it. We mm-hmm. have to teach it. In fact, uh, at some point, I would love to connect with you. Uh, there is a program that I have in mind called Inner Greatness, where I do believe that there's a lot of greatness can be taken to the inner cities. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of lip service. You know, I'm here in Minnesota now. So I've been here through everything that you've seen on the news. In fact, <laughs> uh, in fact, your challenger, she ended up coming out here. I'm not sure why, but she was here during that time period, uh, during the trials and the riots and, and, and all of that. Um, but I even find that leadership is lacking just as a foundational principle in government that these people have leadership roles but they don't understand leading the people anymore it seems like there's more of a disconnect between politicians many politicians and the people than ever before would you would you agree with that yeah i would absolutely agree and maxine water she was out there and uh, but she was copying off me so we went out there when george floyd uh after he got killed and we were the reason why the riot and everything stopped but when it comes to leadership, I guess if you want to call it legislators versus the people, um, a lot of these legislators are disconnected. They know absolutely nothing about the issues that we face in our community. They have their own opinions, but their opinions is off. And we could take an example for voter ID, right? Where you see 85% of Americans agree that you should have an ID to vote. And then the legislators saying, well, it's racist or, you know, people right. can't get an ID and they have to 
you know, they don't have cock machines in rural America and black people are not smart enough to work in computer, you know, like the whole microaggressions. Yeah. And, and it shows the disconnect between the legislators and the people because they don't listen to what we have to say. Um, they use their polls where they take, you know, they'll, they'll probably poll 400 people and get an opinion off 4 million people by that 400. And it's, you know, it's just completely yeah. Uh, yeah. sad what's going on. It's a mess out there. It is. So, you know, one of the things we have in common as veterans, but also you serving in the Navy, me serving in the Marine Corps, is we do share the same core values, both branches, honor, courage, and commitment. And I know mm -hmm. honor is very important to you. Um, I know that's also lacking in a lot of areas, but what does that word mean to you? You know, when people are watching this and they hear the word honor come out of your mouth, what is the meaning behind that for you? Man, honor, you know, the definition has changed over time since I've gotten older. But, you know, honor for me is like, it's like respect. It's like resilience. It's like taking pride in everything that you do. Yeah. Um, if you get involved in a task, take that task serious, you know. And especially for me being a public figure and being heavy in the community, um, when it comes to honor for myself, is just holding myself accountable to the things that I say and that I do. Um, especially when it comes to the young people, because I have so many young people uh, that look up to me and they follow me and they want to talk to me and engage with me. And so um, it's just it's just that reverence and respect and, and accountability. And I love that when I was asking about, you know, what are some traits that you love? I know that honor was up there for you. And I don't think we hear yeah. enough about that <laughs> these days. You know, I think we need to hear more. Um, let me ask you this. You know, you are here. You are in the public eye now. You have people looking up to you. When you when you're out in the public, what is the greatest part of your role right now? Like what, what gets you fired up the most? Cause I know, <laughs> I know when I see you on TV, you're bringing the heat, you're bringing the fire. You've got a, yeah. a great confidence to you, but what do you love most about what you do right now? Um, I, I love meeting people. I love meeting people and uh, talking to people because when, when you see a guy on TV and you're like, wow, he's amazing. And then when you see him in person, it's like, well, he's just a regular guy too. Yeah. You know, it brings me a lot of joy. And, and you know, I, I talk to a lot of people. I run into a lot of people on a regular basis. And, you know, they have so many great things to say. Even people who hate me when they meet me in person, it's like, oh, you're, you're not what I thought you were. Or, you know, I have this misconception. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, meeting people is always going to be the highlight. So, so let me ask you this then. You know, I'm assuming that when people... Some people look at you, they might assume you're with one party and then find out you're with another. What is their reaction when they find out that you are a black Republican? Yeah, a lot of people are, it's kind of like shocking. And then they start asking me questions, you know, are the white people in the Republican party racist? Are, are they using you? Like, did they tell you, did they pay you to become a Republican? They ask me all these ridiculous questions. <laughs> and um, I think the biggest question is what they ask me is why did you become a Republican? And when yeah. I started breaking down the history of the Republican party, I'm like, oh, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's always, it's always awkward at first. And then people want to ask a lot of questions. We, we jump into some real issues and everything. Yeah. And, you know, you start changing a lot of people's minds about the Republican party. But for me, I, I didn't, I joined because the Republican party was started predominantly by, um, by Black people and everything that the Democrat Party started or stood for had to do with, with slavery or Jim Crow or everything that was bad for um, the Black community. I didn't think that's anything that I wanted to continue to associate myself with, especially growing up as a Democrat and seeing that 
Um, our communities are still in shambles. I mean, 35 years where I'm from is still called the hood. I think it's ridiculous. So tell us a little bit about your radio show. Yeah, so we have the show, The New Black Republican, and, and this has been running for a little over a year now. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, it's been going on. We have the number one show, KABC, and um, I get a lot of heat from Republicans, and they say, well, why can't it just be the Republicans, or why I got to be Black? How come you can't keep race out of it? And I'm like, well, the show is a new show, hence the word new. <laughs> black Republican, hence I am a Black Republican. And I think if I took the title Black Republican off, it'll be, you know, it'll be left behind like everybody else yeah. show who doesn't specify what the show is about. The, the, the new Republican, other Republican, it's just like everything else. But um, what I want to do was with the show, talk about issues from the perspective of a Black Republican from the inner city, because a lot of times people think that our perspectives are all the same just because like, we identify with the same party and it's not, you know, how I look at things is different from how everybody else look at things. And when it's time to engage people, it will help to have that perspective of somebody from yeah. a community that needs engagement from our party on a regular basis to get uh, votes or even make change. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that you've ruffled a lot of feathers in your journey. And, <laughs> and I can only imagine some of the outreach that that has come back to you maybe not in a positive way but were you shocked at any of the the negativity or you know the the anger that came back at you when you took a stance um no it wasn't that bad to be honest with you but you know I, I always say this it ain't worse than being in Iraq I mean you got a few people talking trash about you versus having people trying to actively kill you on a regular basis and you know the crazy thing about it is they only talk trash on social media so as soon as you hit that power button it's all gone yep. you know so that's right I, I don't i don't mind it and i see all of the politicians they take a lot of heat for worse you know they do major stuff to make news headlines you know but yeah. uh, I, i'll do the trash talk i don't care i i love your perspective on things and and i gotta ask you about mindset how important is mindset to you right now, especially when you're in the hunt, you're impacting people and you are mm -hmm. on a mission, but let's talk a little bit about mindset, what it means to you. Yeah, my mindset is important. You always gotta be strong willed. Sometimes you have to ignore the noise. Um, I think I've gotten to a point where the good jobs and the you suck all sound the same now. You hear it so much, <laughs> you did a good job, you did a good job, you suck, you suck. And I think that you gotta have that mindset to where, you know, regardless of what people say, you never stop grinding, you know, outside of politics. I do sit on the board of a few uh, international development companies. I sit on the board of a television network and have my own business and things of that nature. So, you know, you have to continue to grind, but you can't let uh, negativity stop you from what it is that you're doing. Everybody who's going to be great is always going to have some type of controversy, but you can use the controversy to stop you or you can use the controversy to elevate you. Yeah, absolutely. And you're using it to elevate you and elevate the people around you. You're making a huge impact. You know, we Thank talked you. about the 43rd district. We talked about a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of issues in the 43rd district, but what is your vision for that district? You know, you are running with, you know, you've got a, you've got a plan, you've got a mission, but yeah, that long-term, what do you see for that district? What do you plan on helping them with? I want to rebuild. Um, I want to 
rebuild in a matter where people are not being displaced, right? Uh, a lot of people in the community, they hate rebuilding because they say, well, they're going to gentrify and move everybody out because we can't afford to live. Mm -hmm. And so I want to I wanna rebuild because it's going to happen whether they like it or not, the people like it or not. But I also want to rebuild while bringing quality jobs back to the community so people can be able to live through yeah. the rebuilding process. Um, improving the schools is absolutely important. I want to start redesign. Well, I have the designs for the schools already. I had a buddy of mine who's a developer start creating designs because I want to have something tangible, tangible for people to be able to see um, and improve our school systems, get trades, vocational training back in our school systems. Um, also school choice, you know, to allow people to uh, give their young adults the best opportunity to succeed, rebuild yeah. the relationship between the law enforcement and the community. That's absolutely a must. That's something that we're doing right now. And also, um, you know, wealth building. That's something that a lot of people talk about wealth building, but they have no financial knowledge uh, about anything. So these are like the start of what I want to do for the community. I mean, there's so much potential in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. To a certain extent, they need to get you in there because the only direction based on where it is now is up. If they can go up, <clears throat> you know, you don't want to have that district as a scary district for people to go into. It should be exciting. It should be energetic. It should be you know, a real melting pot of ideas and people and, 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 and new opportunities. And it's been lacking that for a long time. You know, I know one thing that's important to you is to give a voice to the people in that community. And what has been happened, what has happened over the years to their voice? You know, and um, I know you want to bring it back, but what, what's really cause their voice to be silenced, if you will. I, I don't think that the voices has been silent. I think it just goes unheard. Mm -hmm. um, and there is this indoctrination process to where, you know, you've been indoctrinated with poverty for so long that you start to embrace poverty and you start to make a lifestyle out of it. And I think that's bad. Um, and so whenever you try to bring people out of poverty, people will like, actually fight in order to stay in poverty so they can have something to complain about. Uh, other than using the advantages and the benefits that are being given in order to create their version of the American dream or their version of uh, who they want to be based off what they see on TV or social media. And so I think that it's, it's not necessarily a silenced voice. I think it's just a, a hurt voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We got to be able to give them that voice so they can be heard again. Yeah. Um, what is the long-term vision for you? Like, what are your long-term objectives? You know, you're gonna, you're gonna make an impact in the, in the 43rd district. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But what's in the long-term for you? Uh, you know, if I can rebuild my district, um, then I'll, I'll think of something else. But I think right now my focus has been completely on uh, what can I do to create a positive impact on my community, improve the quality of life for the people who live yeah. here. Uh, I'm retired now, you know, medically retired from the military. So, you know, I'm living every day for the community. So, you know, one of the things that you said is one of your moments of greatness is just waking up. Mm -hmm. You got to tell us a little bit about that. What, what just gets you fired up every day? Why, why that? Because when I ask people what, what moment of greatness they had, they will talk about things that maybe they accomplished this or did that. But I love your perspective on waking up every day is great why is that so great to you yeah you know here here's the deal if you can wake up you can fight you know mm. regardless regardless of what that fight is if you can wake up you can fight 
And lions wake up before any other animal because they got to get on the chase early if they want to make that kill for the family. And I think that this is the concept that I developed and it's a concept uh, developed by the people who hang around me now. You wake up early and you get into the fight. And so yeah. I love waking up every day, even if I wake up and I, and I get into the hunt and I don't necessarily catch anything or the day doesn't end how I want to, if I can get up the next day, then we can always correct the, the errors from the previous day and keep moving forward. I love that. You know, Joe, every time I do a show, I listen for things and I'm like, that's going to be the title of the show. Wake up and fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yep. I love that. I love that. I mean, there's a, there's a, there is a mental attitude about getting up and getting in the hunt every day, especially after this pandemic. I mean, you know, here we are 15 months or we were told it was going to be two <laughs> weeks, right? Two weeks to flatten the curve. 15 months later, it it's kind of flattens out. Now they're talking about a new variant so they can come back to it. Um, what are some lessons learned for you over the, the 15 months in that pandemic? What did you pull from all this? Um, <laughs> the biggest lesson that I learned is the media will lie to you about everything. That's the biggest lesson I've learned because they start talking about get this vaccine, get this vaccine. It's not mandatory, but you got to get it where the mask is going to help you. Um, you know, so that's that's one of the biggest things that I've gathered the media a lot. The, the pandemic didn't stop us. The pandemic, uh, the shutdown made us work harder. We did food drives, gave over 300,000 um, pounds of food away, uh, sponsored other organizations who were taking care of the community, back to school drives, hiring affairs. We traveled crisscross the country because the flights were cheap to get things done also. Mm -hmm. So we probably worked harder during the pandemic than we did anywhere else because we knew everybody was going to be stuck in, yeah. inside. And so, you know, you got to get the jump on people and work even if they're not working. Well, you were waking up and you were in the fight every morning. Yes, sir. You know, you mentioned something extremely important, you know, just, just looking out for people or maybe giving back to the community. How, how important is that? in your opinion, for people to give back to their communities? I, I think it's extremely important. You know, I was brought up uh, being taught that once you become successful, you go back to where you're from and you give back as much as you can. I think a lot of people develop the same concept over the years as they gain more success. Uh, but also, you know, it's a lot of people that's less fortunate. And, you know, through our campaign, we did very well. So it allowed us opportunity to be able to really give back. And, um, that's allowed us to connect with people. It allowed us to talk to people. It allowed people to come talk to me as a as a human instead of some you know political figure on a pedestal, which yeah. they think they can't talk to. So I, you know, I, I love it. I think it's important. Do you think this time period, you know, the coming out of the pandemic like this, are you finding that people are more open to listening to new ideas now because the pandemic really broke up the mundane day to day that we were all in? Everybody was kind of stuck to a certain extent. This pandemic caused a lot of people to think differently, uh, view things differently. Are you finding that people are a little more open-minded to some new ideas these days? Yeah, I, I do. I think the pandemic made a lot of people upset. And I think it exposed a lot of things, especially when it comes to legislators, when it comes to city officials, when it comes to just, you know, process. And, and you know, I always use this thing, the... Uh, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results, you know, the definition of insanity. And uh, it, it came true during the pandemic and people started noticing you cannot continue the same things over and over and expect different results. If you want different results, you got to change the way you do things. And so 
um, you see people changing up right now. And I, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's the perfect timing for the 43rd district to really get behind what you're doing. I mean, you, you mm -hmm. are there, you've got, you got boots on the ground in the 43rd yeah. district. Um, but you know, having lived there, you were also involved. I mean, you, you experienced the drive-by shooting as a youth, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our house is actually shot up in a drive-by shooting. I have friends get killed in a drive-by shooting. It, it was like a way of life, though. So when you're in it at that moment, because you've been through it for so long, it's like a norm. And you don't think about it until you get out of it and you start living a better life. And you're like, you know what? I don't think that was normal. So, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And, and right now there's a normalcy there that just shouldn't be there. And you're yeah. coming in, you're coming in to shift it. That's the one thing I get. When I listen to you on these panels, I see you on social, I watch your ads. You're not there to keep things status quo. This is all about status grow. And that's what I get from you. I mean, 100%. This, the 43rd district doesn't need some, some small uh, adjustments. It needs a major overhaul. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I, mean? I mean, this is a monumental task and that's why they need someone like you in there. Um, I got to ask you this, Joe, you're fired up, you're excited, you're passionate, but what do you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like to fish. Hey. I like to fish and I like to travel. Those are my, my two favorite pastimes. And um, when I get an opportunity, I'm an avid horse rider. I like to uh, ride spirited horses in and break them. So, I like that. You, you, you wake up and fight and break horses <laughs> yeah and fish because <laughs> the horses are dangerous and i don't pee, i don't think a lot of people understand it and you'll see the calm mellow horses that's already been broken so people can ride and pet it but when you get on the spirit of the horse i mean you never know what you're going to get you're either going to bomb with that horse immediately or it's going to take some adjustments before that horse is before he's comfortable with with people riding him or comfortable being told what to do so well, you know, look, Joe, I, I got on my first horse about a year ago. When we have some uh -oh. friends who own horses out here, I made sure I had that broken in horse. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I wasn't getting on a spirited one yet. I'm telling you, when you're up there and there's 1,500 pounds of muscle yeah. um, in control of your life, I had, I had nothing but respect for that animal. I think we trotted a little bit. I felt like we were going 50 miles an hour, though. <laughs> it could be a little scary at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you going 50 miles an hour on a horse, you know you're going 50 miles an hour. You got a horse behind <laughs> <Yeah. and> everything. <laughs> I got to take yeah. my game up on the horseback riding. But, you know, we'll have to get you out to Minnesota at some point. In fact, we're going up to uh, uh, northern Minnesota on Friday. We're going to do some fishing at a friend's cabin. We've got nice. some friends with horses out here. So, you know, we'll give you a good tour when you come out here, meet a ton of people, and uh, <laughs> we'll fish, we'll horseback ride, so on and so forth. Um, you know, I, I got to ask you this question, though, if if somebody's listening right now, mm -hmm. maybe even the younger generation, and they just want to take steps to have a greater life, um, to make more of an impact. Do you have any any key lessons, any insights for them? Somebody striving for greatness in their life. Yeah. If there's anything that you want to do, uh, write it down. Right. You write it down. And the reason why is because if you write it down, you're more apt to finish it and then just thinking about it, you're going to start it and then stop it. And you're going to forget about it. So write it down. And every time you work on it, write down the steps that you did and then write down future steps. That way you can make sure that not only are you working on it, but you're manifesting it. That's, that's the most important thing. 
And whatever idea you have in your head, um, the only people you want to talk to your ideas about is people who you think can help you. When you talk yeah. to your friends, they're going to discourage you. Talk to your family, they're, they're going to discourage you. So talk to people who you feel that can help you. Talk to people who you can develop partnerships with. Um, write it down and follow the steps. You know, you probably experienced that too. People shooting down ideas, even when you decided to run. People probably say, <laughs> I don't know if you should do that. I mean, did you experience that too, even yeah. from close, close friends or family? Yeah, everybody. Everybody said that. Even joining the military. Oh, don't join the military. That's the white people. Oh, don't get involved <laughs> in politics. Uh, that's not for you. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. I, I come up with the craziest, biggest ideas and I try to accomplish them. I come up with the stuff that people say it's, it's, it's ridiculous and you're dumb. You know, those are the type of ideas that I come up with. And then when I actually start pursuing it and start working itself out, people was like, wow, I didn't think you could do it. How, how incredible of a feeling is it when you accomplish something that other people thought was stupid and dumb, right? Like you share it with them, they shot it down, then you did it. Yeah. Uh, we actually had, I bet the first book that I wrote, somebody said, well, you know, uh, you, you never make money off your first book and you, you shouldn't even waste any time with it. And mm -hmm. so I said, well, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't write a first book, but I'm going to. Yeah. And it was, it was game enhancing for me. I mean, it was just, it was an awesome experience. But then I just the other day, my first book, I had somebody come and tell me, and I wrote it years ago, just, I love your book. It made an impact in my life. And I thought, you know, if I had listened to the naysayers, you wouldn't be getting that conversation right now. Yeah. Well, you've, yeah. you've overcome a lot, my friend. And you have a great vision, you have a great energy, and you are on a mission. And I can't thank you enough for joining us today and just sharing a little bit about what you are doing, not only in the, in the 43rd district for California, but you're making an impact throughout the nation. And I know people are following you from all over. So I just wanted to say thanks for your time today. And if, if somebody wants to reach out and support you or learn more about how they can support you, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, my website is joecollins4congress.com. It's all spelled out. And you can follow me on all social media platforms at joecollins3. And you can listen to my show, The New Black Republican, on kabc.com every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific. The show is good. The show is extremely good. Oh, there's no doubt. And, and I'm just excited. Anytime I get to support a fellow veteran, it's always an honor. And thank you so much. I know you have a packed schedule, my friend. So I really appreciate you taking time for our audience and uh, sharing your moments of greatness and everything that you're about to do. Thank you so much. Joe Collins, great to have you here. Thank you. I appreciate it.